0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. There are a number of reasons why I want to speak to my next guest. Number one it's been years since I've done so, which is an appalling situation. Number two, he's successful, he's articulate, and he's outspoken. We'll come to that later on. Number three, his name keeps coming up when I speak to other investors, experienced investors, and always in a good way. Well, Pete Vellian said this, or he's doing that, and I'm not doing it. But on the other hand, etc. you get the picture. And the fourth reason is that a tweet over the last 48 hours caught my eye. And that's where the outspoken part uh, comes in. So we'll come to that uh, later on, but anyway, Pitt Fillion from ReCM is with me pit it 's been a long time, and as I said it 's an appalling situation which we 're about to rectify now. How have you been as you move towards the autumn of your career
1: <laughs> that 's a very nice way of putting it, and good to speak to you again Lindsay thank you um, yeah, uh, as I say, sixty is a new forty, so I, I guess uh, that 's where I am right now in my career <laughs> uh, and i 'm having more fun than ever I, you know I think the, you know there are a lot of opportunities right here in South Africa. Uh, that's where my network sits. And we've made some very interesting investments out of recent over the past few years. And we'll continue to do so for as long as I can draw another breath. Um, so it's actually a, quite a good space to be in at this point. And the most important thing is I can actually now cycle to work every day, which is ideal.
0: You can cycle in South Africa.
1: Yeah, no, I cycle from home to work. It's 2.7 kilometers, and it's uh,
0: all on a cycle path. Oh, there is a cycle path, I was going to say, because there yeah. was that horrible incident, <laughs> which we need not go into too much, where a yeah. taxi or some other vehicle used a cycle path in order to get to his destination faster than his competitors and uh, <laughs> with obvious consequences, and it was really horrible. But let's not talk about that, because I'm a cyclist as well, and I think well, I'd rather I do, well, cycle well, here. I do
1: think it's important. It's important to mention that I think uh, if you get to a point in your career where you can cycle the work, then I think you've, uh, then you've arrived.
0: Yeah, you have arrived. And uh, just on another, <laughs> an, another point, you say 60 is the new 40. Well, in my case, 60 is the new 70, actually. But that doesn't matter. You talk about interesting investments because stereotypically you are cast as the super deep value investor. Is that still the case? And you're still finding deep value, which eventually comes to fruition.
1: Yeah, look, especially in South Africa right now, the field of deep value investing is rife with opportunity. The market here is neglected. Uh, it's despised in most quarters. Nobody wants to invest in South Africa at all. Anybody with investments here can't sell fast enough to take the money offshore. Yeah. And that leaves lots of opportunities out there um, for uh, to allocate capital to these sort of situations.
0: Okay. Is it not neglected for a reason though but that's what the growth investors for example would say to you the reason it's neglected is because it deserves to be neglected
1: well you know um there's always a reason uh, and you can always justify something at a certain point of time because of reason one or reason two or reason three but at the end of the day if you're paying a pe multiple of two or three for a very decent business with good management you know, that gives you a return on your investment of, you know, 30 to 50 percent uh, without any growth at all. And, and I think that's the reason people quote most often for not wanting to invest in Africa because there is no growth. But if you're paying a multiple of two or three, which translates into earnings yield of anywhere between 30 and 50 percent, you don't need growth to make money. And if you get growth, that's just a cherry on top. So, you know, I think the reasons are valid. But the prices are discounting those reasons plus a lot more.
0: Yeah. I suppose patience is a word that uh, would spring to mind. And a lot of people aren't patient these days. They want an instantaneous return on uh, some new technical or technological fad that's just listed on the NASDAQ or something. You clearly, as you, um, as I say, go into the autumn of your career, uh, have developed even more patience, I would have thought, especially with the performance of the JSC recently.
1: Yeah. Look, it's true that um, investors um, or or the investing public has become a lot more demanding of instant gratification over time. You know, on TikTok, you swipe left or right up and down. I don't know what (laughs) you do on TikTok. No. And you get a new video instantaneously and, you know, it keeps you busy for two minutes and then you swipe again, you get another video. And that's sort of expectation that has been created for investors uh, in markets, but that's not how it works. I mean, we own at RCM quite a few private businesses and we can see how these management teams are managing very well through very difficult periods and generating profit growth and dividend growth. Uh, and that is real money that's hitting our bank account every six months uh, through the ingenuity and the skill of the management teams and the business models that they're applying, um, it is working, and and they are making more money every six months. And these uh, are unlisted entities, days. are they? These are unlisted companies. That, that's right. Yeah. And and listed companies are also making more money. I mean, a company like Calgro, which is a very small listed property development business, mm-hmm. the profits are growing year on year. They're generating return on equity of over fifteen percent, but they're trading at half of book value, and the share price is exactly where it was fifteen years ago. You know. Um, It's super cheap. Uh, And I think if you're patient enough to sit there uh, with a management team that is allocating capital correctly, they've bought back 18% of the business over the past six months or past year at these sort of ridiculously low prices, um, you will be well rewarded over time.
0: How difficult is it, though, to get a meaningful stake in a company like Calgrove, for example?
1: Well, it'll take you some time to build up a stake, uh, but it's possible. I mean, it's traded below the, the five grand level for the past, I don't know, 10 years. <laughs>
0: well, there's the patience factor coming in.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's very important also not to get carried away with the value on offer in South Africa, because there is that existential risk as well. If this ANC government really wants to um, wants to stick your hand in their pocket, they can and, and take your assets so that is a possible outcome i I'd call it a low probability outcome, but it is a possible outcome so I think you want a diversified investment portfolio geographically and also diversified across sectors as well but you know everything in South Africa, but uh, you know if your neutral allocation is that Africa is not if you're comfortable with naught over time, then I would put five to ten percent here and if your neutral allocation is thirty percent then I'd like for for fifty percent here you know it's that sort of decision making framework that i think one needs to apply
0: i don't want to pry but how much of a percentage of your total portfolios at recm are allocated to the republic of south africa
1: well at recm well i i would say 100 of our investments our private investments are also african because that is where our network lies that's where our expertise lies that is where we can speak to people and we can add value to the business that we've invested in on a face-to-face direct basis uh, you know if you look at the history of South African firms investing offshore, it's been disastrous. Ninety nine out of a hundred of those investments have been disastrous.
0: Yeah. I use the analogy because it suddenly occurred to me that, uh, you know, we look at the JSE every day and we moan about it, or myself and the commentators that I speak to moan about it, or it's down another uh, three quarters of a percent and the volumes on the JSE are down. But there's obviously a thriving, well, maybe not thriving, but um, an economy below the radar, i.e. the listed companies that are uh, quietly going about their business. And you identify those. And I always say the unemployment Employment data, for example, from Stats SA. And I used to drive, take a shortcut through Kyle when I lived in Cape Town. And I would see by the side of the road dozens and dozens of businesses, whether it be barbers or little informal shops uh, selling snacks and things like that. And I thought, well, these people may be below their radar. They're they're not being picked up by Stats SA, but they're earning money. Is that the same sort of thing that's going on and the sort of companies that you're looking for in a different way, obviously?
1: We're not look specifically looking for companies in that sector. And I, th- I think what you're referring to is this informal sector, yes. which is a fairly large part of the economy. And, and, and Gigi Alcock wrote a book about it called Casinomics, which is actually worth reading to get a sense of what's happening in that economy. But again, um, we don't invest directly into that sector of the economy, but some of the businesses that we are invested in do indirectly service that part of the economy and benefit from it.
0: Yeah. No, what I was saying was I wasn't suggesting that you had a look at that uh, part of the economy, but it's the same sort of thing. Everyone says, oh, the JSC this, but they don't quite realize that something else is going on that they yeah. haven't maybe heard about, uh, but they will do at one stage because it might be brought to market by ReCM or whoever it is.
1: Yeah, well, uh, the, I, I think it will be brought to market, probably not by us, but I think one also has to be realistic about it, that a lot of those businesses aren't really fit for listing, because if you want to list a business, there's all sorts of regulatory compliance and Mm. accounting standards that need to be upheld. Uh, A lot of these informal businesses just aren't there. No. Uh, But there are a lot of formal businesses that supply uh, and benefit from the activities of informal businesses that are listed and can be listed.
0: Okay. Is the South African entrepreneurial spirit still alive and kicking? Because it always amazes me when I do see a set of good numbers come out from a company, despite the mismanagement of the economy and the malaise in the economy. I think to myself, goodness me, South Africans are resourceful.
1: Look, I mean, we've learned to be uh, more resourceful over time as the constraining factor of a completely inept government um, have forced us to do so. Um, So I think the Ability of South African management teams to be creative and to think outside of the box has increased over the past uh, two decades. Uh, and I think it will continue to do so. At the same time, we are definitely seeing a skill shortage, a brain drain, so to speak, as more and more young people emigrate uh, to get out from under the socialist touches of uh, a completely inept government that is taking the country backwards year by year by year. So that is a problem. But... There are still some really good skills left in South Africa. It's not. It's not all doom and gloom.
0: Good. No, I, I agree with you. It's just got to be. The over enthusiasm of some people must be uh, tempered. Now, talking about brain drains, this is a tweet that you sent out, or an X, or whatever it's called these days. It says here a post
1: on X. I think is that a, That's right. That a post that. on
0: X. Yes, the next post
1: <laughs> it says
0: here and it's in the public domain so i'm not betraying any uh, i'm not betraying you by by reading it out it says in my two cents i can stand for our pathetic government's absolute mismanagement of our infrastructure because i'm fortunate enough to afford to be independent of their mediocrity but once they start supporting murderous and barbaric behavior towards ordinary citizens civilians rather i'm afraid my days here are counted Who knows when their idiotically sociopathic tendencies are directed towards me? Now, when you say, I'm afraid my days here are counted, does that mean you sat down and said, because of their stance towards Palestine and maybe even Russia before that, that you're thinking of leaving?
1: Look, it's always on one's mind. I think one has to be prepared because there is, in certain factions of the government, a strong anti-business, anti-market feeling and if they really come down against um, a free market and capitalism and so on uh, in a in a much harder way, then I think one will be forced to leave. Yeah, uh, if, if there was a coalition, not, for example, not only business hmm. and also human rights. I mean, yes. I think it's scandalous the way the government has treated its population, uh, especially the poor. The poor have gotten even poorer over the past twenty years, and and at some point there is a chance that they will look for scapegoats for their own inability to manage things. Uh, you know, that is normally what governments do. They they can never front up and say, well, I, I did this wrong, I'm going to correct that, I'm going to do this better. They generally look for scapegoats. Uh, and that is the danger that one has to be aware of.
0: Okay, let me ask you this one now, which is a development of the theme that we've just been talking about. If for any reason the ANC needed uh, a coalition partner and that coalition partner happened to be the EFF would that hasten your thoughts towards perhaps getting out yes good answer okay and very very final question no pit um, as you get older do you find like I do that I become more outspoken and care a little less I don't want to be rude to anybody but I care a little less about uh, what I say do you feel that as well
1: and, and I, I still care about what I say. I just feel a lot more freedom to say what I think. Oh. Um uh, Because uh, it, where I find myself in my business capacity, uh, I am less and less beholden to client's opinions of what I say and what I do, but rather you know, what I'm doing with the capital that has been entrusted to me. Um, that's what matters to me. And uh, thinking clearly about that is what matters. Um, and I think people might have noticed that on, on X that I've been fairly outspoken about a wide range of topics. I try and stay away from the political yeah. topics. Uh, you know, I can't always, but I try and stay away from those sort of things. But on business matters, um, I'm fairly outspoken. I, and I think a lot of these things need to be said. But uh, a lot of people can't say it because it might hurt the feelings of their clients, uh, and they might lose accounts and all those sort of things, whereas um, I have no fear of that.
0: Oh, yeah. There's a couple of very big companies that I speak to regularly, and I say, can we talk about this? And they'll say, we'd never get it past governance. And I understand (laughs) that. Yeah, anyway, yeah. it's definitely important to have an independent like yourself speaking his mind and more of it, please. Pete, thank you very much for your honesty to uh, answer some of my probing questions. That was Pitfilion from Recy M. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position, or